Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that we're here, able to worship you and praise you. Thank you for just our gathering, Father, and for everything that you do for us. And I just pray over the events of the church and pray over Pastor Sermon. Speak through him, Father, for the words that your people need to hear and that, that are for us, Lord. And we just uh, we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in uh, week four of our I Am series. I'm super excited about where we're going to be going today. Uh, really, what we've been doing, though, is we've been spending the last three weeks kind of laying a foundation. We laid a, a quick foundation over the first uh, or over the last kind of few weeks of February there, uh, just to kind of say this is where we are going this year. We want to build intimacy with God through prayer. We want to build intimacy with God with, with uh, just kind of thinking more missionally, thinking more outwardly. And that's, that's kind of what we, where we laid a foundation for where we're going this week or this year. Sorry. This uh, series has kind of been kind of just building on that. As we build intimacy with God, part of the way we do that is by, by knowing who he is, right? By knowing God, by knowing uh, his character, by knowing uh, just, just who he is and all he does. And uh, especially as we lead into Easter, I think a great way to do this is to spend time just really talking about who Jesus is. And lucky for us, uh, Jesus doesn't make us kind of go into scripture and figure it out ourselves. We can do that, and we have done that a little bit. Uh, but Jesus actually tells us exactly who he is in the book of John. In fact, seven times in the book of John, uh, Jesus tells us who he is. In John chapter 6, he says, I'm the bread of life. In John chapter 8, he says, I'm the light of the world. In chapter 10, uh, he's the gate for the sheep. He is the good shepherd. Uh, in chapter 11, he's the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And in chapter 15, he's the true vine. And so far, over the first three weeks of this series, we have really talked about, even if just a little bit briefly, five of those. Five out of the seven we have kind of at least touched on. Our first week, we talked about Jesus is the light of the world and how we can walk in the light as he is in the light, right? We, we walk in the light. Jesus is light. We began there because John loves this imagery of light and dark. I felt like there was no better place to start in the, if we're going through the book of John than really to talk about Jesus being the light of the world. But we talked about walking in obedience, walking in humility as we build intimacy with God. The second week, we talked about Jesus' last statement, I am the true vine. And we talked about remaining connected to the true vine, remaining connected to Jesus and what that looks like for us, living like Jesus lived, loving like Jesus loved. This is what we're called to do, called to be as, as being connected to the true vine. And then last week, uh, we really looked at two, but we kind of touched on a third one there. We looked in chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. And then he says, I'm the good shepherd. We talked about both of those, what, what both of those mean, but we also talked about Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? The gate and the way, the truth, and the life have a lot of similarities. Jesus is talking to two different groups of people, but he's just saying, look, I am the Messiah. This is me, uh, and no one comes to the Father except through me. But mostly we talked about what it means that Jesus is the good shepherd, that he calls us, that he guides us, that he uh, 
that he's willing to sacrifice for us. And those are good reminders that I hope you took with you this week as well. This week, we're going to be looking at the fifth I am statement. Uh, and this, is, I think, is a really poignant one as we lead into next week, Palm Sunday, and the week following, Easter Sunday. We're going to talk about the, the fifth I am statement that Jesus says in the book of John. It's in chapter 11, right after where we were last week, actually. Uh, and Jesus just simply says this, I am the resurrection and the life. We're going to talk a little bit about what that, what that means, what that looks like uh, this week. Uh, we're actually going to read kind of a lot this week. We're going to read the whole story in context. You know me, I like to, I like to read it all in context. I don't just want to just say, Jesus said this and then let's talk. Uh, let's read this in context. So we're going to start in chapter, in chapter 11, verse 1, and we're going to read for a little bit. Some of you might recognize this story. Uh, some of you may have just heard of this story, but it's the story of Jesus and bringing Lazarus back to life. And so we're going to read this story, uh, John chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. That's sound judgment, right? If he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may go and die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming... She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would now not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead, and by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I love this story. And I think if we talk, as we talk about Jesus being the resurrection and the life, we need to really talk about it in the context of this story. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Did you catch that? Jesus is not just resurrected. He's not just the resurrector. He is those things. We know that he is resurrected now, but he is the resurrection. Obviously in the story, Jesus is the resurrector. He brings Lazarus back to life. But as I, as I looked at this story, what I began to see was I began to see people in this story that I think we, need, that we can relate to, that there are a few people that Jesus kind of needed to bring a piece of them back to life also. Jesus is the resurrection. And yeah, he, he brings Lazarus back to life, but I think there's some some ways that we might resonate with some of these people in more ways than we'd like to admit. The first person, I want to talk about three people in this story this morning. The first person is Thomas. Thomas is a disciple, uh, and Thomas kind of has it pretty rough in Scripture. He's painted to be this person of doubt, uh, and he's, I just more see him as sarcastic Thomas, right? Uh, That's kind of how I read it when I read him, but (laughs) Doubting Thomas kind of fits. That's the nickname that he gets. Uh, But really, Thomas is the kind of person who needs to see it to believe it. And that's fair in many ways. I, I think he gets kind of a bad rap for this. But even in this circumstance, there's a, there's a quick verse about Thomas in chapter 11, verse 16. Uh, and it says this, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, uh, Didymus just means twin. Didymus, if you ever hear anybody say, Didymus means doubter. Just X out that article, don't read it anymore because it's not, not the case. I've read that on at least three occasions this week in it's not right. Okay, Didymus does not mean doubter. It just means twin, uh, which also Thomas means twin. It just, it's literally, he's got two names that mean the same thing. So uh, his name is Thomas. Where was I? Sorry, soapbox. I'll get off now. Uh, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we might die with him. <laughs> now, this is, kind of, this is kind of interesting, right? He's saying, why, why, why would he say that? Well, actually, if you look at the passage before this, you see, as we were talking about last week, Jesus is kind of in the middle of this kind of, these chapters of kind of debating with Pharisees. Pharisees are trying to get at him. They are trying to kind of, uh, to, to get him to just say something wrong so they can arrest him. 
They're questioning him on, on why he says he is the person that he says, on why he does the things that he does. And in chapter 11, or chapter 10, sorry, they're, they're questioning him. And at the end of chapter 10, they're trying to stone Jesus. They're trying to kill Jesus. In fact, uh, this, I'll, just, I'll read this to you. Verse 39 in chapter 10. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. This is Jesus getting away from these people who are trying to kill him. And then they go across the, across the Jordan River, and this is where they are when Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. And so this conversation between Thomas and Jesus, where Thomas is kind of like, yeah, let's just all go back so we can all die with him as well. Why is he saying that? He's not saying that against Lazarus at all. He's saying that because Bethany and Jerusalem are like Fresno and Clovis, super close depending on where you are, I guess, right? Super close. If they're going to Bethany, people in Jerusalem are going to find out. And the people in Jerusalem, just a little bit before, want to kill them. So Thomas is basically just saying, look, now, we can go back, but why? Why do we want to go back? They're going to try and kill us just like they just did. All right, this is, this is Thomas. He's kind of having some, having some doubts. Thomas is thinking, yeah, sure, let's just go back to where we almost died, and I just don't get it. Us going back now is not going to bring him back to life. You can kind of hear Thomas, kind of just these wheels turning in Thomas's head. What is it going to do now? We're safe here. We don't need to go back. What's happened has already happened. Why? And I think, if we think about it, a lot of us are kind of like Thomas. God, I just don't get it. I don't get why this is happening. I don't understand what you're doing. This doesn't seem like it's going to work out at all. <laughs> Have you ever thought that as you're praying? Like, God, I just don't know how this is going to work out. I don't see this working out one bit. We kind of have these, have these doubts. And there are many of us sitting in this room who, who prayed a prayer, believed God could, and then didn't. And then we're just bombarded with doubt. I was there once. I know I'm sure you've been there as well. In fact, the most poignant one for me was when I was in Lompoc. I was a youth pastor in Lompoc for a while. One of, our, uh, <clears throat> one of the students in my youth group, his dad, was in the hospital. Uh, he was struggling with some cancer. He was in the hospital, and uh, I went to go pray with him. And I, I, I went to the hospital. I prayed with him. I talked with the family, and I had so much faith that he was going to come out of the hospital and just be fine. I was praying with this kid named Joseph and his mom, and <clears throat> I was just praying in faith that, that his dad would come out. The next day, everything's, everything's looking pretty good, right? The doctors are kind of saying, like, yeah, we think he's going to come out. He'll probably be able to go home the next day or the next couple days. So I'm out uh, with a group of our pastors at the church the next day, and I get a phone call from our church office. And they said, hey, Pastor Chris, we just want to let you know, Joseph's dad just passed away. And I was just so bombarded with doubt. Like, God, I just prayed over him. I just prayed that he would, he would come out of the hospital. I, just, I, I talked to the doctors who said that he was going to. I was praying in faith that you were doing a miracle in his life. And what happened? And I was... I was mad. I was kind of upset. I was, I was like Thomas here. Like, what is going on? Why do you want to go back here? Like, what's, I, I don't get the point of what, what's the point of going back? What was the point of me being there, God? Why did I need to go to the hospital and pray for him when you're going to take him the next day anyways? I just don't understand. Have you been there? 
Have you been in a place in your life where you just, just don't understand? Maybe you prayed a prayer like me and it didn't work out. Maybe it's you had a friend or a family member who, didn't, who had something just really awful happen. And you just begin to think, why would God let this happen? If he's all-powerful, why didn't he stop it? And suddenly, we're a little bit like Thomas. We're a little bit like Thomas. And there's a little piece of us inside that is dead in our doubts. Here's the second, second person I want to look at is Mary. Mary wasn't dead in her doubts. Mary was a little bit more, I think a little piece of Mary was sort of dead in, in her discouragement, I would say. Just don't see anything good happening. Can't seem to catch a break. Mary was discouraged. We see this a little bit in verse 20. Let's look at, at verse 20. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Mary stayed home. Mary was a little bit discouraged at this point. And I think it's understandable. Right? Why, why bother? He's already dead. I don't know why you're even coming now. Well, it's not going to change anything. Nothing you can do about this anyway. I think some of us can kind of see ourselves in Mary. Martha hears that Jesus is coming and she's like, hey, I'm going to go. I, I, I. Mary is like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to sit here. I don't need to go see him. I don't really want to see him. Maybe there's some of us who are just discouraged. You just feel like, I can't change anything. It's not going to do anything. I feel alone in this. I, I feel like I'm always going to be stuck in this. The thing is, we don't like to show it. We kind of like, we're like Mary. We just kind of like to sit home and not do anything about it. And when we do go out, we kind of put on our, our church face and we say everything's fine and everything's good, but... I think there's probably some of us here who are a little bit discouraged. I want you to think about a time in your life where you were just, just really discouraged, just really felt like God could have done something different here. God could have done so many things different here, and I just, I, I just am a little bit discouraged. I want you to remember the discouragement that you felt. And I, think, I think a lot of us have moments like this where we really resonate with Mary. I also want to look at Martha. Because Martha wasn't necessarily dead in, in the doubts. She wasn't necessarily dead in the discouragement, although she was a little discouraged. Martha was really more upset and, I guess if you want to say dead, she was more dead in, in just the delay that she felt. Like she found herself like, God, you took too long. God, where, where were you? Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Why does this matter? Well, there was a belief here. It wasn't a biblical belief. It wasn't a Christian belief. But there was a belief at this time where when a person died, their spirit would stick around for a few days, for three days to be exact. Their spirit would stick around for three days, and there was still a chance, right? There was still a chance that maybe they would take a breath again. But on the fourth day, they were like dead, dead. They weren't just mostly dead. They were dead. And so you, you see on the fourth day, there's this, there's this spirit. Like I said, it's not a biblical belief. It's not a Christian belief. It was just sort of a belief that people had in this day. But on the fourth day, it was done. Lazarus was dead. He was fully dead at this point. And so Martha, in verse 21, says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. God, you took too long. 
You took too long. I think some of you can, can relate to this sentiment. God, you're taking too long. God, I've been praying this for years. I've been praying this for months. I've been praying this over and over and over again. God, you are taking too long. God, I prayed for so long, nothing happened. God, where were you when this was going on in my life? I think it's easy for us to get discouraged in the delay. I said something at the very beginning of our time online with coronavirus. I said, remember this, God's delays are not God's denials. And this is still true. God's delays are not God's denials. God is still in charge. He has a plan that he would be glorified in the future through the very thing today that you are going through. But I love what happens next here. I love what happens next in the story. Immediately after she says this, immediately after Martha says, Lord, if you would have just been here, things would have been different. Verse 22 comes along, and I want you to see the difference in verse 21 and verse 22. Verse 21, God, if you had just been here, he would not have died. Verse 22, but... But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I know that even now, in this moment, God is going to give you whatever you ask. I know that even now, even though I'm dead in my delay, even though I'm sort of a piece of me is dead in my discouragement, even though a little piece of me is dead in my doubts, even now I know that you can move. And this is what it means to know Jesus as the resurrection and the life. Even when a little piece of us is dead. Even when it feels like we are, uh, we're just in the wrong place. We, we, we feel like we're doubting. We feel like we're discouraging. We feel like we're, we're just stuck. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. This is what it means. I mean, in that moment of your doubts, Jesus can still come through and show you that he knows what he's talking about. I mean, Thomas... You just see this kind of, we don't have this conversation between Thomas and Jesus after the fact. But you can imagine this, this conversation. Thomas, remember before this has happened, is saying, like, why are we going back? There's people who want to kill us over there. It's not really going really to do anything. Let's go over there so we can die with them. I can just imagine the conversation afterwards. Thomas, I told you. I told you that I was going to go and bring him back to life. I told you that I was going to go and that God would get the glory in this. I told you that this was going to happen. And guess what? Lazarus lives. In fact, in between our passage and next week's passage as we get to uh, Palm Sunday, there is, in the book of John, there is basically one passage, one, par- one section in between where we are and when Jesus comes in to Jerusalem to be crowned as king. And that passage is six days before Passover. The disciples and everybody are there having a meal in Bethany. The disciples are there. Everyone is there. Lazarus is reclining at the table with Jesus. You can just imagine, just the, like, you could just imagine the, the, the just Jesus saying, like, look, I, I knew that this could happen. I knew that this would happen. He was dead, but I knew I would bring him back to life and God would get the glory. Even in our doubts, like Thomas, Jesus being the resurrection and the life means that we can trust him, that he actually does 
know what he's talking about. Amen. Jesus says, look, I'm going to go back. He's, he's asleep. We're going to go wake him up. You didn't understand that? He's dead. We're going to go raise him back to life. Okay, let's go die with him. No, 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 no. You don't understand, Thomas. This is going to happen. Even in our doubts sometimes, I think we need to really know Jesus as the resurrection. Because he can breathe a little life into our doubts. When you're in your moment of discouragement, Jesus comes and he sits with you. I want you to see this. Mary runs over to Jesus. She says, if you would have just been there, if you would have just been here, she's crying. Jesus has moved. And sometimes we let this verse just, it's like an answer to a trivia question, like what is the shortest verse in Scripture? But we don't really understand like the full gravity of this. Think about Mary. Mary, again, is, is sort of dead in her discouragement. She's discouraged. She's upset. She's just lost her brother. She goes to Jesus. She says, Jesus, if you would have just been here. She's crying. The people that were with her in the house run out with her because they assume she, she's going to the tomb to, to weep over her brother. Instead, she goes to Jesus. She's crying. And Jesus weeps. In the moment of her discouragement, in the moment of, uh, of just feeling like, man, I just, if you had just been here, if you, I, I feel so alone right now. I, in that moment is when Jesus sits with her and he cries with her. He sits with her. Jesus wept. I, I, I know it is an answer to a trivia question, but it is so much deeper than that. Jesus wept is it means that if we when we are in our in our lowest times and we feel like all we can do is just sit and cry Jesus cares he sits with us in that moment Mary finds herself in a place of discouragement and Jesus is right by her and he cries with her Jesus breathes a little life into that discouragement breathes a lot of life in that discouragement as he walks over to the tomb has him roll the stone away and calls out. And then when you're in the moment of feeling like, like God is taking too long, like you're a little bit dead in the delay, Jesus is the one who's able to bring dead things back to life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Martha and Jesus have this conversation starting in verse 22. This is, oh, I'll start at verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they die, well, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? They have this, this conversation here, and I want you to hear this this morning. The resurrection is not just an event. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus in a couple weeks on Easter, and I invite you to come. I invite you to bring people as we talk about that resurrection moment. But Jesus is more than just the resurrection. The resurrection is not just an event. It is a person. It's not just what he does. It is who he is. Dead things don't stay dead when the resurrection walks into the room. And Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
I was thinking this week, I, I, was, reading, I was reading another guy who was, who was talking about this. He said, why do you think Jesus had to call it in a loud voice? He said, it's probably because dead people don't hear too well. <laughs> so Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he does. He does. Right? Even though it was too late. Even though he was already dead. Even though everybody around there said it's too late. We're a little bit dead in our delay. Jesus breathes life into it. Why? Because Jesus isn't just resurrected. He is the resurrection. Jesus can breathe life into any situation. This is what it means to know Jesus as the resurrection and the life. When things seem dead, when things seem hopeless, when things seem meaningless, that it is not too late, that it can still work out. When we think that this is pointless, there is, is, there is hope at the end of the tunnel. It is here that we can put our faith and our hope and our trust in the one who is the resurrection and the life. He can breathe life into hopeless, dead situations. And here is, here's what happens. At the very beginning of this passage, we see the whole point of this. Jesus says, <clears throat> this sickness will not end in death. It is for God's glory. Amen. So that God's son may be glorified through it. Amen. Jesus breathes new life into dead things all the time. Why? So that God gets the glory. Amen. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. When it seems hopeless, when it seems like there's nowhere else to go, when it seems like we just are doubting or things are meaningless or pointless, Jesus is the resurrection. He breathes life into dead things. Amen. He is the life. Amen. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. As we go forward this week, I want you to just think about this this week in your relationship with Jesus. What does it mean? For me, in my own relationship with Jesus, how have I seen Jesus be the resurrection and the life? For me. Has there been a moment where I was doubting like Thomas? Has there been a moment where I was discouraged like Mary? Has there been a, a moment where I have just felt like, it's just too late, like Martha? And in those moments, have you seen God breathe life into those? I want you to think this week about all the times in which you've seen God breathe life into hopeless things in your life. And I want you to just thank God for that. Be thankful that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But I also want you to think about this this week. I want you to look back, but I also want you to look forward. Are there things in your life right now that just seem hopeless? Things in your life right now that just are causing doubt or discouragement. Would you just begin to pray this week that the resurrection and the life, Jesus Christ, would take those situations over and breathe life in. And just wait. See what happens when you hand it over to the resurrection and the life. Look back, look forward this week. And be thankful that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let's pray. God, God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you that, uh, that we can know who he is. We thank you that, that he made it clear who he is in scripture, God, that he is all of these things. We've talked about him being 
the light of the world and, and the gate for the sheep and the good shepherd. And we've talked about today him being the resurrection and the life. We talked about being the way, the truth, and the life. But God, this week, would you just, would you just reaffirm to us that you are the resurrection and the life? That the resurrection is not just an event that we celebrate in a couple weeks, but you are the resurrection. That you still breathe life into, into dead things all the time, God. Would you, just, would you just be here with us this week? As we look back, would you remind us of the times in which you have breathed life into dead situations in our life? And as we look forward, would you just remind us that you breathe life into dead situations in our life, God? And would we, would we place those things in the hands of of the resurrection and the life. God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. God, you are so good. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, at the end of every service here, we do the same thing. We, we pray a blessing over you. So I just ask that you would just hold your hands out uh, and just receive a blessing from God. I know it feels awkward, but just, just receive this blessing. May our God. God of grace, God of truth, may the resurrection and the life breathe life into you this week. And may that life give you courage and boldness to go make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in grace, go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning. It's good to see you all.